Hey guys, what's going on? G-Man here. Thank you so much for checking out this World Series preview here on the Bullpen Card Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. Greg, the Prophet Piatelli and I preview the 2018 World Series between the Boston Red Sox and the Los Angeles Dodgers. We go through position by position and give the edge for each team at each position. Then we make our picks and the length that we think the series is going to go. It was a ton of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think in the comments. But as always, let us know what you think in the comments. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Follow us on Instagram, ThunderBlogSports.com. Greg is likely going to game two, so you will not want to miss that on our Instagram feed. He is going to put up pictures. Get you guys in the action at Fenway Park. Thunderbug Sports also on Instagram.com, just like our website, ThunderbugSports.com. But enjoy this week's episode, guys. It was a ton of fun. Again, let us know what you think in the comments. Here we go. And we are live. Welcome to the World Series preview episode of the Bullpen Cart presented by Thunderblogsports.com, the namesake of the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. I, of course, am Jordy Cannell, the G-Man, and joining me is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Greg the Prophet. Piatelli, Greg, how are you? Living the dream, Jordy. Uh, gearing up, getting ready for big uh, World Series tomorrow. Uh, or sorry, Tuesday night is probably tonight for most people. Um, I mean, I couldn't be more pumped. I know. It's going to be a ton of fun. Red Sox and the Dodgers. <laughs> If you haven't seen it, uh, fun for me, probably a little bit stressful for you, considering it is your Red Sox. But, so there's, Greg. There's a chance I'll be going to game two. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, there's a, there's I a keep chance. Saying it, there's a, I keep saying I need to give you the credentials to the Thunderball Instagram account, but you're if you're going, you're getting the, you're getting the credentials. People need to <laughs> people need to feel the atmosphere. They want it needs to be so palpable that they taste it. And we need that. We need the effect. I know. But yeah, I'm in. I'm pumped. That's that's fucking awesome. But we have not talked since before the playoffs even started. So do you want to do a quick recap of how we got here throughout the playoffs or just through the two teams? Um, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the two teams. Let's talk about, uh, you know, let's talk about how the Red Sox beat up on little brother New York Yankees. Let's talk Ooh. about <laughs> how the Red Sox. Okay, uh, my cart. <laughs> that's exactly the Vinovich guy, right? That's what I was going for. No, that was, I was making a Michigan, Michigan state reference. My yeah, cart called. No, that's the same thing. The, the D end. 
That DN yeah. did for he... their team, the blonde hair kid. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I was doing the same that's thing. different podcast. Different podcast. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so the Red Sox. So let's talk about how they, they came in. Yeah, they yeah, let's do let's go ahead. Um yeah, Red Sox came into the playoffs, overall number one seed. They faced the winner of the wild card game, the New York Yankees. And for all intents and purposes, even though it went to game four, they just manhandled the New York Yankees. They ragdolled them and what was it? Game three was the 16 to four game mm-hmm. and pretty much just asserted all levels of ass whooping on them. Uh, hard to believe the Yankees also won a hundred games there. And then they just took down the Houston Astros in the, in the ALCS in five games, which Greg, they won four straight after a Chris sale kind of dud that he threw four innings. Uh, his fastball had lost a lot of speed off of it. And then, he gets spotted out in game five, and David Price overcame his demons and pitched an absolute jam in game five to send you to the World Series. The first one. Yeah, so David Price, uh, Chris Sale didn't start because of an illness, Jordy. Well, yeah, he got spotted out because of the illness. And uh, he, he, the reason why he, he quote-unquote didn't pitch well so far, even though he has, but he was hurt end of the season. He didn't play in September, sure. so... Um, What's well, something that I read was that he had been taking some drugs that didn't sit with him well for the injury, and that's why he, he got sick with the stomach stuff. Yeah, did you hear his excuse? Yeah, that he hit because of a belly button ring. A belly button ring uh, yeah. infection gone wrong. Yeah. So uh, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going with the belly button ring. No. I mean, I, it uh, sounds like he's a kid of the mid-90s. <laughs> he so uh, what's impressive here with this Red Sox team and how they've made this far uh, is the opposite of what everyone thought. It, everyone thought their bullpen was going to be the problem and their starters were going to have to win games for them. It's been the opposite. Their starters have been good, but you know they've been decent. Their bullpen, with the exception of uh, one person who controversial here in Boston, Craig Kimbrell, um, their bullpen has been spectacular um but the real the real reason why the red sox got here is because their offense is just putting up crazy numbers and when you look at it buzzing yeah and when you look at it woogie Betts and jd martinez have yet to have uh the type of season the postseason that they had during the regular season and the fact that this team has gotten to where they've gotten so far with those two guys, two MVP candidates, not uh, not performing as well as they could is huge. Like, you know, we're talking about a team where this pl- this postseason, the leading – I mean, J.D. Martinez is leading the team in RBIs with nine, tied with Jackie Bradley Jr., but, you know, he's a three thirteen average, and, and, I mean, it wasn't great for a while there. Um, so it's it's, you know – the point being, Wookie bets it into a five. The point being that this team offensively is getting getting at bats and good and good production from everyone else in their team. And if those two guys get going, JD Martinez and, and Xander and Wookie bets, then there's no chance that uh, their offense doesn't continue to perform. And if their their pitching can continue to hold teams to less than the offense scores, then you know, it could be a quick, quick little series here. But um, any as an outsider perspective, Jordy, what, how do you think the Red Sox, uh, or what was wrong, or what's different than 
what I said about how they got here. Nothing. You're spot on. The bullpen was kind of that, you know, hold on to your seats, hold on to your hats, take a deep breath and ride this thing out. And a couple times you saw it. I think it was game one, the ALDS where Kimbrell was a little rocky. Even I think it was game four. You obviously have the uh, Ben attendee catch that saves them there against Houston. And then even in game five, it was a little shaky, but I mean, I think they're starting, they're starting pitching spun enough gems that the bullpen wasn't as bad of an issue um, or as, at least as bad as it could have been, but the offense exploding and exploding at the right times, you know, is exactly what you need. I mean, you've scored 56 runs in nine postseason games. It's pretty absurd. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of scoring there. And, you know, if you're putting up over six runs a game, which they are, you know, it's, it's tough to lose a lot of those contests. You really have to hope that the, that the opponent against you isn't a team that, that has the firepower to do it. Houston was one of those teams, or at least on paper they were, and they scored five, five runs a game in game two or seven runs in game one, which the Red Sox lost five runs in game two, which the Red Sox offense outpaced them seven, five, the win game three, they put up only two runs. The Red Sox put up eight anyway, game four, which we mentioned before the Astros were charging back, but the Red Sox offense had put them up enough. So I think you're right. If Mookie and JD Martinez continue to, or if they start to get it going and the, the rest of the offense around them continue to be as clutch as they have been specifically Jackie Bradley jr. Who you mentioned his, you know, his nine RBIs or are all of them with two outs or is it what? Seven. Um, Sorry, one more time. Two outs. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know the exact number, but but it's something like that. Where yeah, yeah. Jackie Bradley Jr. has been David Ortiz like in yeah, terms nine of RBIs. Nine RBIs. And the craziest part about him is he's he's his average is like below two hundred or right at yeah. two hundred, and and yeah, he's got three hits and or something like that, and they're all home runs. And yeah, uh, sorry, he's got five hits and and two, two which are home two runs. home runs, two doubles, um, and nine RBIs. So. In the whole playoffs, but uh, three hits in the other series. But yep. um, the point being, Jordy, yep. that this team. Sorry, are you saying something? No, I, I completely agree. I think really it hinges on the offense because, you know, you even saw, you, you know, you see in some of these games where the bullpen does let up a little bit or if the starting pitching isn't as you know, on, um, if they're off, but if their offense is, is clicking on all levels, like it has been that it, it almost doesn't matter. You just need to, you know, make sure that you're keeping that high scoring pace. LA certainly has the bats to do so. And we'll talk about them in a couple minutes, but mm-hmm. if the Red Sox continue to play like this, uh, it's going to be, you know, it, it may not be a quick series and we'll talk about some of the caveats that the world series brings, uh, but I, you know, I, I do think it's in in the Red Sox favor, and the public agrees, Vegas agrees, um, which might be the only concern if you're a Red Sox fan is how much favoritism is being shown towards this team. Yeah, especially considering that everyone thought that the Astros were going to blow them out, and everyone thought the Yankees were going to beat them, and uh, it's. I didn't think the Yankees would. I did think Houston was going to. Yeah, but we're talking. The the network that shall not be named that no one watches anymore because they're a joke. But uh, honestly, Jordy, the best part for this whole playoffs for me has been watching David Ortiz and Pedro Martinez. Uh, Pedro being on TBS and Ortiz being on Fox. The the their pregame and postgame shows. 
but those two guys has been electric when talking about the Red Sox. And I, I'm really hoping that Fox hires Pedro because he's been outstanding on TV. Oh uh, yeah, well he's TBS, but yeah, they he's been unreal so far. That's and, what I'm saying. I said I'm hoping that Fox hi- like just snags him for there because yeah. they get the World Series. So I'm hoping that they hire him to come on to be with Ortiz, you know, and they can just shit on a Rod the whole time. Yeah, and I feel bad for Jimmy Rollins because he doesn't get the. I feel like he's the only one of between Sheffield and Pedro and him, the only one that like was neutral, but also uh, was like the most talking like a like a baseball analyst would. And the other two were just like, "Oh, when I played, I hit dingers. When I played, I struck out a million people." And and I feel bad for Rollins because he couldn't get a word in. But um, Jordy, tell me how the Dodgers got here. Yeah, so the Dodgers came in. They were the overall number two in the National League. They had to play an extra game, a game 163, and beat the Colorado Rockies, who would then beat the Cubs, but lose to the Brewers. L.A. would host the Atlanta Braves and beat them. They've had a little bit different of a road, Greg. They've had to go through four games against the Atlanta Braves, even though that game three that they lost wasn't really the the worst loss in the world it's still you know it's almost like they just let up for a second but then they had to really pull themselves up by their bootstraps they go to milwaukee they lose in a thrilling game one six five then in a thrilling game two they end up splitting the away part so they got home field back but immediately blow it they lose game three four nothing and all of a sudden you're not really sure what they're going to do how is this offense going to fare they win an absolute thriller 13 game, game four, 2 2 series. Game five, they win 5 2. Looks like they're going to come into game six and take this and meet the Red Sox in the World Series, but they lose 7 2. And then in a incredible game seven, the Brewers won 5 to 1. And on all different angles of how their bullpen's been going and how the starting pitching has been, they bring in Clayton Kershaw to. Get a uh, a ceremonial save, even though he doesn't get officially recorded one. But he came in and pitched the ninth inning to send his team back into the World Series for the second straight year. Uh, Alex Cora obviously was on the Astros team last year. So it is Alex Cora versus the Dodgers again. Uh, but this Dodgers team, Greg, they made a lot more noise throughout this season in terms of acquiring players, in terms of having a pitching staff that has been pretty solid for the most part. Uh, you know, two guys right at the top of their rotation, rookie Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw, who have done a pretty good job, but their offense had been what had been their you know, jumping off point. And for a lot of the season, it had been, you know, really relying on where they were. Remember this Dodgers team had to really rally as the season went on. They had injuries. They had, You know, pitchers, you know, Clayton Kershaw was on the DL for a bit. Justin Turner was on the DL twice. Uh, They were, you know, out of the division for a little bit, and they clawed their way into that game 163 um, and beat the the Rockies to get the two seed in the the league, almost in the division. Um, But remember, Arizona was up there for so long. So this team has faced adversity even with all of these different pieces that they've added. The biggest one and the biggest story throughout the postseason is probably Manny Machado, who had himself a little bit of a, uh, shall we say, rough look in the NLCS. But they also—that's that's been him his whole career, though. He's always been a 
That's true. That's absolutely true. And, uh, now it's on national, so, it's on national display. Yeah, it's but like a couple Chase other Utley. guys. Like Chase Utley when he went there, and and he was a scumbag too, and and yeah, he, the, got, he was always on national display. He, uh, you yeah. know, the Phillies, the Phillies were good when he, when Chase Utley took out Mets players. That's when the Phillies were good. So it was it was getting talked about then. Then he did it in the postseason as a Dodger, but he's not playing. He won't be. He's he is inactive. He has a little. He's had a little chair, his dad chair that the team made for him. My point is, my point is, once a scumbag, always a scumbag. But the thing that gets me the most is this Dodgers team, 43 runs scored this postseason compared to the Red Sox, 56. Well, and mind you, it's 43 game or 43 runs in 11 games compared to the Red Sox, 56 in nine games. Correct. So that's less than four runs a game versus over six runs a game. Yes, and the, I mean this Red Sox team. I, I hate to keep harping on it, but their their offense, if they can continue to get runs from the bottom of their order, it's going to be tough to beat them. And, yes. and that's that's the key. So if the Red Sox can continue the bottom of their order, guys like Bradley Jr., Devers, Holt, uh, Pierce, Kinsler, and the two catchers, or whoever is playing Nunez, who's ever in the game there at the end. Uh, if those guys can continue to produce and come up in big spots and get on base, you know we're talking about a pretty good, pretty, pretty good uh, chance here for that team. Um, no, totally agree. And 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 the Dodgers, the thing we talk about all year, the thing that is helpful to them but also kind of hurts them is their depth. Mm-hmm. Right? They have they have so many good players that they. Some of them don't don't get to play every game, you know. That that don't get the at bats that they may need to get into rhythm, and um, you know, like Matt Kemp, fourteen at bats. I mean, that's a good. A really good case in point for this is Brian Dozier, who's a guy they acquired from the Twins, mm-hmm. big home run hitter, and he's been coming off the bench the entire yeah. postseason. Yeah. He's had eleven abs, no homers, only two ribbies. Greg, another big thing to to think about too. Of the 43 runs scored, they have 13 homers. The Red Sox, as much as we've talked about their power and their clutch hitting, they've only hit nine home runs this postseason. One homer a game. L.A., 13 in 11 games, but still a lot of reliance on the long ball. Kind of the opposite story that you hear of of National League versus American League. Yeah, and and the craziest part about the Dodgers is, I mean, the ball travels better in the heat, but... Yeah, that's not just kidding. Um, no, they've had they have three guys who hit who are hitting over three hundred. Yep, and one of them is a pitcher. It's true. The the Red Sox have Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah, exactly. And and the Red Sox have way more than that hitting over the five guys hitting over three hundred, and they have uh, you know multiple guys that have uh, you know multiple hits or double in terms of hits and all that. And, and they just, as you mentioned, they're getting it done with a little ways and they've been doing it all year. They haven't really necessarily been so home run dependent uh, all year, like, no. like uh, the, the little brother team in New York there. But um, so is there a more exciting player to watch than when Puig hit that home run? He went nuts. Oh my God. That gets- was the, that's the Ken Griffey Jr. Commercial, which I don't think you and I ever, ever got a chance to talk about, but the Ken Griffey Jr. Let the kids play. Yeah. That's the embodiment of that. Do you think he gets hit 
first game next year? What, if they're playing Milwaukee or just in general? Yeah, Milwaukee, sorry. He might. You know, I mean, kind of stupid. I think Milwaukee's a team that's a little more progressive, and Craig Council's uh, not a big – you know, I don't, I'm don't. i saying this with no basis, but he doesn't seem like an unwritten rules guy. Craig Council? Yeah. Yeah. His weird well, batting stance. Yeah, that's probably why I'm thinking he's not—he's not an unwritten rules guy. I feel like there's an unwritten rule: you don't stand on your tippy toes in the batter's box. <laughs> you know? uh, Jordy, 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 Jordy. Okay, Jordy. Yep. We've talked about how they got here. Yep. Now let's talk about this series. Yes. 2018 World Series. And Greg, it is going to be one hell of a series. Game one is Tuesday night. We mentioned 809 start up at Fenway. And it's it's gonna be pretty exciting. Game two is the next night, Wednesday night. And Jesus Christ, I can't get the schedule up here. Then we go to LA for the weekend. But I I really, I'm really excited for this, Greg. How are you feeling as a fan? Uh, the only thing that I'm scared of here is how many times we've seen a team loses the year before and then win the next year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Phillies turn around. Nope. Oh, the opposite? No, Philly, Phillies, well, they lost in the playoffs, but they right. got swept by the Rockies, then they won the World Series, then lost in the World Series. Okay. Royals. Right? Yep, the Royals. So maybe only once. <laughs> in recent memory. Right, but my Clo- point is... We were close with the Rangers. Yeah, okay. But my point being is that they're out for blood, right? They came so close last year, and they they want nothing more than do it this year. Granted, their team is so much different, especially with uh, with their starting pitching to their bats um, for the most part, and and they've been able to do it with different guys than they did last year. But the, that's the beauty of this team and, and the depth that they've had, and and the the managerial job that Dave Roberts has done. You and I were you and I were critical of of it, saying they had too much talent. They've they had too much stuff to go around. But clearly whatever they're doing is working because now they're in the World Series and and Dave Roberts is a bunch of same thing as last year. Dave Roberts a bunch of yeah and Dave Roberts a bunch of guy who guys who are buying in and believing in it and and that's uh, that's I mean good for him, right? Good for him. So yeah the the big, the big question mark here, I think, uh, <laughs> we're looking at for for me is how much can they get out of their starting pitching? Because we know the Red Sox jump all over teams' bullpens based on what they've done all all postseason, what they've done all season. They jump all over teams' bullpens. What can the Do- how deep can the Dodgers starters go? You know, is is Dave Roberts a guy that sticks with guys, or is he a guy that takes them out after two innings if they're having a bad inning or, or what have you? Um, 
So I think I, that depends on who's starting. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's compare the two two teams starting pitchers. Okay. So starting with LA, you got mm-hmm. Kershaw, who's scheduled to start Game One. You got the aforementioned Hyun Jin Ryu, who's scheduled to be Game Two. Dodgers have announced through Game Three. It looks like Walker Bueller, the rookie, will be Game Three, and Rich Hill will be Game Four for the Red Sox. They also had a couple guys that were starters earlier this year for the Dodgers versus Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, that the Dodgers have moved back into their bullpen, like Kenta Maeda. Um, they've gotten Rich Hill out of the bullpen a couple times. They have Ryan Madsen, who's been uh, the consummate long, uh, middle relief guy for the Phillies, for the Reds when they were still good, when the, for the Nationals, and now with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, you know, I mean, really, I think what it starts off with is Kershaw and what kind of tone will he set in game one. Ryu has been up and down in his postseason starts. Bueller's been... Also pretty up and down. He had a pretty good start in game seven. But, you know, I, I think really it, it flows through what you see out of Kershaw. And then, you know, if you can get innings out of Hill, what you can see with him as well. Yeah, and and the Red Sox counter with Sale, Price, Ivaldi, and Porcello or Erod or, or you know, that's sort of – it's been those four and then Erod uh, coming out of the bullpen. But – uh, the Rich Hill had a great postseason start last year, right? Yep. So you know that's a little scary, and he's at home and what have you. But um, yeah, postseason ERA this year of two sixty one. Dale Kershaw match- matchup is super intriguing, uh, but we're not getting you know who knows what Chris Sale we're gonna get because they mm-hmm. said he lost ten pounds and and he was already skinny guy to begin with and what have you. The thing that everyone's kind of laughing about and kind of wish they had and calling for would be a Kershaw-Price matchup, two guys who have yeah. uh, historically been terrible <laughs> in the playoffs but had great regular seasons. Uh, could you imagine we were robbed of that? So, But maybe... Uh, Look like a Patriots-Rams game. <laughs> but maybe on a, uh, you know, later on in the series you might get it uh, you know, with how the Red Sox and, and Dodgers tend to use their starters and, and swap things in and out. So you never know. We could still get it, um, but <laughs> yeah. it's uh, the matchup we, we're almost robbed of in this, in this great, uh, great. You need to hope series. the belly, but you need to hope the belly button infection comes back around. Right. Right. <laughs> That's like game five or something. Yeah. Right. So could you imagine that? Cause it, cause you know that that game would be going against Sunday night football. Mm. Kershaw versus Sale. Like Chris Collinsworth might be going like, ah, oh, you know, I'll tell you, you should go over to Fox and watch this game because I played <laughs> in the NFL and I caught all these things. And he doesn't sound like that at all. So feel free but, to uh, roast me on Twitter. But I'm not, I'm not sure who, who is Sunday that. night. Who's the Sunday night game? Um, Can't be anyone good. It's the World Series. Yeah, I think it's pretty shitty. Yeah, it's the World um, Series. Anyway, Jordy, let's get into this. I know the, so, I know the Rams have a home. But I don't think they're. I don't think they're Sunday Night Football. Edge, edge. The LA's, edge. I'm gonna. The edge. I'm gonna give it to the Red Sox. I think they're just starting, a little deeper. LA starting four. Red Sox starting four. Yeah. I'm gonna give it to the Red Sox. I think just a little. I think they're a little more deeper and a little more consistent, at least from what we've seen out of them in this postseason. All right. Because I think outside of sale and and really 
the but trends price, that we've seen of David Price. Price, price wasn't great. Uh, I mean, he was look, okay in that one in that in that once or what was it game two that he gets pulled. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They he won. Got pulled he, after four he, innings. Yeah, he, he would have yeah, gotten a win if they, right. He let up like four runs and they still they they ended up winning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. You know what, Jordy? I'm in. I'm all in. Selling the selling the, the homer on his team. I love I'm it. all in. I'm all in. All right. Uh let's hop in. Let's come back to bullpen. Let's go into uh first base. Your catchers. We'll start with the twos. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go ones to twos. Uh yeah. So the Dodgers bring in Yasmani Grandal. They also have a couple different guys. Um, they kind of rotate in and out, but Grandall's definitely one of the, the bigger names that they throw in there. They have Austin Barnes. Uh, they'll they'll sometimes put Max Muncy back there, but he plays a lot of first base for him. Uh, but Grandall, obviously, you remember him from last year and the controversy he started in the World Series. He's batting 125 right now, uh, 11 strikeouts and 24 ABs, and only three hits to show. He does have a home run. It was a solo shot, but... Uh, that's that's really about it from him. He has not had the offensive postseason that we'd be hoping to see. Austin Barnes hasn't been much better, batting one eleven, but he has uh, you know really you know need, not a lot of production out of their catchers in Boston or in uh, in LA. I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, do you want me to go in the Red Sox? The Red Sox have uh, well, they have three on their roster in Blake Swihart, Sandy Leone, and. Christian Vasquez, the only that's two a baller move, by the way, <laughs> carrying the three catchers. Well, the third catcher, Blake Swihard, he's played left field for the Red Sox at any point. He's played uh, first base. He's, he's played all over the field for them. Yeah, um, because he's such a good bat, and they want him. But he's not. He, he's no behind the plate. He's not as good as the other two. Um, Vasquez is is he's normally their starter, but they it's normally like a three and two type thing. Between yeah. Vasquez and Leon, I think Leon's going to get the start. Uh, he he normally catches sale, so he'll probably get the start tomorrow. But um, I mean, once played, once had eight games, once had seven, so it's similar to. I mean, they're sorry, they they virtually played in every game, but uh, Vasquez has a lot more at bats than Leon does. Um, yeah. Anywho, the Leon. Ter- terrible hitter uh, for this Red Sox team, but unbelievable blocking the plate, unbelievable calling games. Uh, Chris Sale, his superstition thing is that he doesn't say no to a catcher. So whatever the number, whatever number the catcher puts down, he throws. Oh, yeah, that's like his thing. He'll never shake off a catcher. So they like to put Leon out there because they think that Leon calls a better game than Vasquez. But but I mean, everyone like. David Price loves Vasquez and, and half the other people like him too. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's all pitchers. It, it's all, they're all finicky how they feel, but, um, yeah. so based on your analysis of the Dodgers catcher and based on my analysis of the two Red Sox catcher three, but the two who will play, who are you giving the edge to? Yeah, uh, it's tough. Uh, and I also want to correct myself. Max Muncy has not played any catcher. Has not caught at all for the Dodgers. It's just uh, Barnes and Grandall. But, uh, you know, 
I'm going to get another. I'm going to go with the better trend currently. And I, and I say that kind of haphazardly just because Vasquez is batting 227. But I'm going to go with the Red Sox there. Uh, I think Vasquez has just been a little little better than what the Dodgers have been offering. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I do really like the fact that they carry the three three different catchers and can, and can move them around as they see fit, kind of like what the Cubs did. And it, it hasn't been, you know, the worst, the worst thing in the world, it seems. Oh, no, not at all. And, and Swihart definitely belongs to be there as, as he is, uh, you know, during the season, he was a good at bat for them for a while too. And um, the, I'm giving the edge to the Red Sox as well. And, and simply because they do have the flexibility of using all three and, and Swihart is, is a very good offensive player if they need him as a third one, but Vasquez, he's had some big, he had that, he had that home run just like a, anyone else at the Yankee stadium that they hit a fly ball to right and it goes out. So he was able to take advantage of uh, the little league park. That is, uh, that is Yankee stadium and, and hit himself a home run and get himself a nice little uh, RBI there. But he, he has some big hits and some big spots and had a big double right before that. So um, I'm going to give it to the Red Sox first base. Jordy um, we'll start with the Red Sox this time. If you don't mind. Oh, no, the Dodgers, this is where it starts getting intriguing with the Dodgers, and we'll jump into that in a minute. But break down yeah. the Red Sox for me. The Red Sox, their normal first baseman during the regular season was Mitch Moreland, uh, and then Steve Pierce would be their backup, um, you know, with a slew of other people who can play first, but mainly Moreland and Pierce. Now, Moreland, uh, since I think game one or two against the Yankees two series ago, hurt his hamstring or his knee or something. So he has really been limited in terms of he's only played the field once or twice, and he's really just been a pinch hitter off the bench. And as soon as he gets a hit, he comes off and they pinch run for him. Um, yeah, and that's when they put out, you know, whatever it may be. So Steve Pierce, guy that got the trade deadline, has been unbelievable for them. Um, you know, big hits and big spots, um, seven hits, seven runs. Every time he's been on base, he gets – home uh you know really 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 good bat for him but the thing that's underrated about him is he has he's not known for his defense but he has done a great job filling in for for moreland moreland is a gold glove first baseman if you don't know um but he you know with him being out pierce has done a great job pierce's big thing jordy if you notice He's a big split guy. Everything, almost every time, he'll fucking if there's a close play, he gets in the split every time. Just yeah. that's like his move. Uh, <laughs> like I've seen, yeah, I've seen that a lot. It's pretty yeah. cool to see. Yeah, yeah. So um, those two main guys, and, and it'll be interesting to see if Moreland, with all this time off, will uh, will be back and ready to go. But the two of them have uh, one one being a righty, one being a lefty. Uh, you know, it's sort of towards the end of the year, it came down to who was pitching lefty or righty that the, you know, obviously uh, Pierce being the righty, he would start and Moreland being lefty, he would start for the opposite uh, pitchers. Yeah. So um, can't really go wrong with them. And, and two guys uh, defensively who, who get the job done. Now, Jordy, give me a little, give me, give me the top two or three guys that play the mess that is first base for uh, the Dodgers. Yeah. So you, Hit the nail on the head right there and calling it a, a mess is a pretty good word to use. They have Max Muncy, who I mentioned, plays a lot of first base for him. They can also plug Cody Bellinger, their, one of their outfielders, into first base. David Freeze has played a little bit for him as well. Um, we're going to talk a lot more about Bellinger when we get to the outfield, but Max Muncy has been a power hitting uh, 
infielder for the Dodgers. He has two homers in the postseason. He's only batting 182 uh, in th- 33 ABs. And he does draw a lot of walks, though. I should mention that. He has an on-base percentage of 372, which is actually the fourth best on the team. Third best if you take Ryu, the pitcher, out, who only has five plate appearances in the postseason. So he at least can get on base for him. He scored seven of the 43 runs tied for a team best with Manny Machado. So he uh, definitely can be a source of runs and a source of, of you know offense for this L.A. team. Um, give a little bit on David Freed's. You probably remember him from the 2011 playoffs with the Dodgers, traditionally third baseman. But he has played a little bit of first for him, so just mention him now. He is batting 300. Uh, coming off the bench with a few starts here and there, but uh, does have a homer, five ribbies, which is uh, the same as Max Muncy. So he's had a couple clutch hits for LA. Um, Bellinger, just to give a quick rundown on him, but we'll come back. Uh, three or 139, one homer, four ribbies, uh, four runs scored. He has gotten on base via the walk five times, on base percentage 244. So, I mean, kind of the same story as LA, the production value a little bit a little bit further down than what you're seeing out of the Red Sox but definitely a you know good good fielding options there Bellinger's pretty athletic Muncie a bigger guy but a good first base glove for him and, and Freeze just kind of that veteran utility guy for him but definitely a lot of options that they have in terms of uh what they what they like out of them so what uh what do you think they do with the DH who the the do you think do you think the Dodgers? Start, yeah, do you think they start Bellinger at first and put Muncie as a DH, or do you think they keep Muncie at first, keep Bellinger in the outfield, and go with someone else for the DH? Yeah, so they could do a couple different things there. They obviously have a guy that you were talking about, like Matt Kemp, that they could plug in. Um, they have guys like Chris Taylor who can play center field, he can play second base, he can play shortstop. Really, they can kind of mess around with how they want to in game one and then change it up in game two if they want to put in different players. I mean, Bellinger, I think you could probably plug in at first and see, you know, still pretty productive lineup. You still have speed. If you put Taylor out there, or even if you put Kike Hernandez and Rike Hernandez out in center field, I think you can get some options there. Um, you can also put him at second, put Taylor out in the outfield. You know, really they can do a lot of different things in terms of how they get into. So this is where that mess that you were talking about, Greg, uh, really comes into play because they have a lot of different options that they can, you know, throw around to give you an option or give you an idea in game seven of the, of the NLCS, they had Muncie start at first base. They had Taylor in second, but then moved him out into the outfield after they pulled Jack Peterson. Um, so there's another guy they can throw out into the outfield too. Mm-hmm. And another guy they could possibly put in at DH because that guy is, you know, not necessarily the best fielding outfielder, but a good power bat that especially if they're playing a guy, they think they, that the price was, was catching lightning in a bottle. They could potentially throw him out and you know get something going there. Um, I'm now double checking to make sure he's not left-handed, which I think he might be. Yeah, he is. So they wouldn't start him against David price, but again, a lot of options that they have there, kind of the, the MO of how LA runs their ship. Yeah, and and the reason why I bring it up is because you know it's gonna be a big thing for the Red Sox too. Well, well, no, it goes into the factor of first base, uh, you know, comparing the two teams and who 
who has the better first baseman. Um, Max Muncy was a guy that all year has been top of the top uh, stat-wise, right, at first yeah. base, uh, hitting-wise at least. So uh, I'm not sure how he is defensively. But, um, you know, I, I think that offensively it's tough to give it to the Red Sox uh, despite Pierce hitting big big hits and big RBIs and big moments and despite Moreland doing what he does. I mean, the fact that Muncy all year has been unreal and, and – it looks like he's had a perfect uh, fielding percentage in the postseason, but you know it's hard to hard to pick against uh, against Muncy um, as well as uh, uh, Bellinger. Who you yeah, got? It, what in t- if who would I rather start? No, who's better, Dodgers or, or or Red Sox? I'm saying it's harder to pick. It's hard to pick against Bellinger and Muncy offensively compared to Pierce and Moreland. So I think I might have to give the edge to the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to give the edge to them uh, more on a potential standpoint. I know that's going against what I did with the catchers, but I think like what we we're talking about with Mookie Betts and JD Martinez, I think we have not seen nearly what we have what we should be seeing out of. Both Muncy and Bellinger, I think both of them can hit a lot better um, and can really be, you know, sources of, you know, where this offense is going to come from. So I'm going to give it to them. I think fielding wise, both are pretty solid. Um, I might give the um, the defensive edge to the Red Sox, but I think the offensive possibility outweighs the defensive edge here, especially when you factor in how they can shift one of those players into a DH spot. Mm. Yeah. All right. So. I think we agree there second base jordy uh give me the dodgers uh second base uh uh positioning and who plays and, and what they've done yeah absolutely so we started to, to name a little bit of it but they have guys like enrique hernandez chris taylor brian dozier they have a ton of different guys that have played first base for him max muncie or second base for them max muncie's even played a little bit of second base greg chase utley who won't be active is also on their team austin barnes one of their catchers we talked about he's played some second base for him as well um and all these guys pretty solid uh pretty solid second baseman for him not no one really making a ton of different errors and you know have had a solid fielding percentages throughout the regular season and in the postseason you know, we've seen all four Hernandez, Dozier, Taylor, and Muncie have played, and none of them have made errors, knock on wood. We've seen Hernandez mainly in the two spot, but we mentioned Chris Taylor coming in a little bit in the postseason. So again, it kind of comes down to who they decide to play and how that plug and play is going to work for the Dodgers. But you know, they have a ton of different options, and Dave Roberts really can get creative when it comes down to you know who's starting how he wants to attack this team if he wants to build speed if he wants to build power really kind of getting a feel of how to how to play this red sox team so who's been starting for them uh mostly at second because it doesn't look like dozier has a lot of at bats yeah dozier is dozier has a lot of at bats but no, he, does Hernandez, he does not look like he has a lot of, a lot he of he's some he has one start Hernandez has seven starts at second base in the postseason. Okay, so Hernandez, oh, they're, they're second, they're, they're, they're second yeah. base. All right. This is what they've been pro- primarily using. But, you know, He's Muncy's had two starts there. Dozier's had one. Taylor's had, st- had one. They've all gotten an, a 
decent amount of play there throughout the post and throughout the postseason regular season, but Hernandez has been their go-to guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Good, uh, good re- recap. Uh, Jordy, the, the second baseman for the Red Sox, um, Ian Kinsler, who they traded for at the deadline, uh, and Brock Holt sort of been splitting it, but mainly that's because, uh, again, the lefty righty matchup, uh, Brock Holt being a lefty and Kinsler being the righty, um, big time Cora is a big time lefty righty matchup guy here uh, all season as well as the playoffs um, and Brock Holt sort of earned a lot of playing time based on how he shredded the Yankees but Kinsler struggled a little bit um, especially recently uh, with not having a great LCS but he really is the guy that they want to be their second baseman um, you know defensively that's just a natural position and and he sort of uh, has been Doing well enough, but, I mean, he hasn't been putting up the numbers like Brock Holt, who uh, doesn't strike out as much. Uh, Kinsler has 11 strikeouts in the playoffs to Brock Holt's three, so uh, the Red Sox prefer guys to put the bat in the ball, and Brock Holt is six RBIs compared to Kinsler's two. Um, mm-hmm. But you can't really go wrong with either one of them. The thing that's interesting, I think, here, Jordy, that we have to uh, discuss is in the National League Park, Alex Cora said he would put potential, put Mookie Betts at second, Yep. Start JD Martinez in the outfield because you're not going to sit JD Martinez for any game he's he mentioned uh, in in national in the National League Park. So you're either going to see Bradley Jr. sit, uh, Benintendi sit, or rather just uh, have Kinsler or Holt sit uh, second base and put put uh, Mookie Betts there. Who, if anybody knows, was um, was a second baseman to start his career, but because Pedroia was at second, they decided uh, the Red Sox organization decided to move him to the outfield, and it obviously has paid off uh, him winning a Gold Glove. But Jordy, let's rank it based on as if Betts was not a part of the second base unit. Let's just okay. rank it. Let's just rank it: Kinsler and Holt um, versus uh, Hernandez and Dozier. Okay, I am gonna go with. Huh. Got me a little, little stumped there, Greg. I think I'm going to go honestly with the Red Sox here because the the Dodgers have kind of fallen short on what they've been doing. Dozier, I think, I don't know if it's what we've talked about and it's been in a funk because he hasn't played a ton, especially in the postseason, sort of his first, one of his first experiences with it. Uh, and Hernandez really what you want out of this guy is him getting on base, being your, you know, one of your main guys in terms of, you know, mainlining your offense. And he really hasn't done that. He's batting 115 is 258 on base percentage. It's kind of tough to see there. So I'm going to go with the Red Sox. I think that what they bring to the table, uh, really just a little more complete. And I think between, but Kinsler does batting 250 and, and Brock Holt batting 333. Both have homers, both have ribbies. I just think that they are in a better spot. They have better potential. And I know you didn't, we weren't including Mookie, but I think moving Mookie down there you know, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. He, I looked it up. He did play six full innings at second base this year. So got some solid experience in 2018. <laughs> Jordy, I could have said it better myself, and I agree 100%. Uh, this team is primed and destined, and uh, uh, those two, sorry, those two 
primed and destined and uh, really good. Yeah, and I think another thing, too, kind of comes back to what we talked about with the starting pitching. I think that the, the, the back end of what L.A. has, I think the Red Sox, just in general, their batting could can do pretty well against them. But I, I just have a feeling that these guys, they saw what they saw versus Houston, I think, gives the Red Sox offense such a, such a leg up in whomever they have to face next. Whether they just said, all right, we're going to have you now play the statistically best players from cross major league baseball that aren't Boston Red Sox. I think it just gives them such a, a big advantage there. Yeah, no, I, I like it. And, and Jordy, I mean, you're making all, you're making all my points for me. You know, I, uh, <laughs> all right. Me the knowledge for nothing. Let's move to third base yeah. though. Uh, third you want to start with all right. Red Sox? Yeah, I'll start with the Red Sox. Uh, rotating door here between Rafael Devers and Eduardo Nunez. Again, another lefty righty matchup. Devers being the lefty, also super young, but uh, doesn't hit well great or doesn't hit great against lefties. And, and Nunez, the righty, seems to hit lefties as well as, uh, according to Cora, hits particularly fast. Guys who throw the ball really fast, he hits them uh, really well, according to uh, Cora. So um, tough because Devers actually has more bats than Nunez, uh, simply because he's got the power and he sort of got the RBI numbers uh, throughout the season as well as the playoffs. And Nunez is really in there for his defense. He's he's more consistent defensively versus uh, Devers, who is a better bat than he is a fielder. Um, granted, Nunez has not has has made a, a couple errors fielding wise this postseason, um, and so has Devers, but. Uh, Nunez is, is sort of their more defensive third baseman. Uh, and he's, he would, I would say would be their weakest bat uh, in a lineup um, outside of the catchers. So um, he's still a good hitter, but he's probably the weakest outside of the catchers uh, in a very good lineup. So Devers being the better bat, but Nunez probably gets more play time just because of the defense and the lefty righty matchup. Um, Jordy, give me a third baseman for the Dodgers. I don't want to tip my hand. Yeah, so it's all through Justin Turner, guy who we mentioned uh, spent a little bit of time on the DL. He did end up starting 90 games for them at third base in the regular season, but has started all 11 games for the Dodgers in the postseason. Uh, he's been you know, one of their, their shining stars, if you will, batting 279. On base percentage of 367. He's got a homer, a couple RBI. We obviously remember what he did last year in the World Series. That factor certainly will be on display here. Um, he is Gritty's cousin. He is the bearded man himself. I'm not sure what else needs to be said about Justin Turner, Greg. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, they also, Manny Machado obviously can play third, and you mentioned Max Muncy, yep. who sort of plays everything for them. But Justin Turner, I mean, you're talking about one of the one of the top third basemen uh, sort of in the league, if you will. Yeah. Um, that's the reason why I give them the edge. You know, he, yeah, I give him the edge, too. It's got, tough to go against Turner. Yeah, he's got the defense, he's got the hitting, he's got the beard. Um, so, and he had a great 
great postseason in World Series last year. So yeah, you, know, you got to go with the pedigree there. Yeah, uh, it's hard to beat that. So uh, head over to shortstop, Jordy. Give me the Dodgers shortstop. Yeah, so their shortstop runs through the man that they did acquire at the scumbag. trade deadline. Scum bag. Sorry, you Greg is uh, letting us know. You're it is Manny Machado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. Greg, walk us through Manny Machado because I've heard it from you. I've heard it from a couple of my other Red Sox fans. Walk us through the history of Manny Machado and the Red Sox. Um. He's, he's always been a guy that is been too cocky for his own good in terms of he's been the best player on a terrible team, that being the Orioles, right? And he's always been a guy that uh, he has some RBI numbers, has some power numbers, and he can hit home runs, but he doesn't play – he doesn't – he plays without respect, right? He, play, he plays – he plays – the game looking out for him, not his teammates, not, not, he cares about his own stats more than anything else. And, um, you know, the truth of that is, you know, he slides, he slides dirty, spikes up into Pedroia, ending Pedroia season last year or two years ago. And just a guy that thinks he's way better than he is because he was the best player on a terrible team um, for all those years. And yes, he can put up home runs but uh, he just he's just he's just one of those guys you know he's just everyone every team has one he's just one of those scumbag guys kind of like uh kind of like um who's the guy for the flyers that scott hartnell kind of like scott hartnell scott hartnell yeah just like a scumbag who everyone hates except for the fans and in of that team Pretty sure a lot of people like Scott Hartnell that weren't Flyers, Blue Jackets, or Predators fans. <laughs> Those are the other teams he played for. Wasn't was Scott Hartnell the, the guy with the curls and and kind of? Okay, right, fine. We'll we'll use Tom Wilson. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We'll use Tom um, Wilson. Yeah. Well, the Capitals. Yeah, I, I know my hockey. Don't. Another pod, another pod. Uh, no, that's fun. No, th- I'm glad that you walked us through the history. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he had but the slew foot uh, in the NLCS with Jesus Aguilar. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, he's been their sole shortstop throughout the postseason. They had Kike Hernandez play a little bit. Corey Seager play a little bit there before he got hurt. Um, Chris Taylor's played a good amount there, but... Really, it's run through Machado, and I mean, he, for all intents and purposes, Greg hasn't fully lived up to the uh, the expectations. Batting two two fifty, three thirteen batting average, three homers, nine ribbies. Uh, so you know, for a guy that you know does pump his you know pump his own tires enough, he should be batting better. And you know, um, it's something where if he really wants to land that mega contract that he probably will get no matter how he does in the postseason or in the world series, but he's got to, he's got to probably bat at least three fifty in the world series to, you know, really cement himself as the premier shortstop across baseball, especially if he's going to be making those claims of it's shortstop or bust rather than a team saying, 
we're going to give you all this money. You're going to play wherever the fuck we tell you. Yeah, no, and and the reason why he switched his shortstop is so that because shortstops got paid more, get paid more than third baseman, so he just wanted a fucking huge contract because he's a piece of shit. But sorry, that's an aggressive thing to say, but he, you know, that's okay. That's okay. He's, 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 he's got some feelings. He's not helping his cause with the things that he does. But uh, tell us uh, about the Red Sox shortstop. Yeah, Xander Bogarts, um, sort of one of those guys who under the radar sneakily. Top top prospect and in, 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 in a top shortstop uh, in the league had a career a career year for RBIs batting behind JD Martinez, but career year for RBIs and and um, this postseason has not disappointed in what in what he's been able to do in that in that five spot. Um, he gets on base a lot for this team. Uh, been on base over ten times or scored only twice or three times though, but. Um, he ignites and starts rallies or he, he takes pitchers deep. And then he's also the general on defense. He's running, he's setting up guys in the offense. He's setting up guys or setting up guys in the defense, telling infielders where to go. Uh, always every mound visit, um, you know, most middle infielders head to the mound during mound visit so they can know what science coming. So they know what, ball, what pitch is coming. Um, Bogart says more than that. He goes in and says something to the pitcher as well as just listening to what the, what the new signs are going to be for the pitch they're throwing. And, and he really, uh, has an input on that. Um, and people really respect him on the team, unlike Machado. So, um, unbiased, uh, completely unbiased opinion. Uh, a guy who walks, who has four walks and two strikeouts. So good ratio there. Completely unbiased opinion. I'm going Bogarts and, uh, the Red Sox for better shortstop. No, I am going to, I'm going to go with him as well. I think you hit a lot of nails on the head. Uh, The number one being him as the general. Hmm. I I think that's so huge. The leader of the infield. I think he's got that more so than Manny Machado does. And I think he's batted better. Well, he has statistically batted better, but I mean, I just think leading across all categories and and edging out Machado that way. So I'm going to give it to Bogarts as well. I love it. Uh, let's head. Let's do the outfield as a lump sum. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say the same thing, especially because of what we talked about before with the Red Sox and how they might have to tackle the National League Park and how the Dodgers are going to have to tackle the American League Park. So really, I mean, I think both teams. A lot of it runs through where their outfield is, what their outfield's comprised of. Uh, the Dodgers have Jack Peterson, Cody Bellinger, and Yasiel Puig as their main three. And I say that quote unquote, because they can throw different guys out there. We mentioned it before. They can move Hernandez. They can move Chris Taylor. They could, I mean, they, they can put a couple other Matt, guys out Matt there. Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp. Um, yeah. yeah. He's been another, another big guy that for them throughout this season, but you know how they decide to tackle the DH, especially for game one and two. Uh, I mean, it sounds, it sounds chalk enough but it, it's could determine if they have a leg up or if they're just going to let home field be home field for the red Sox and return to la down 2-0 no and and i think with puig's uh inconsistency in the outfield i think they throw him at dh and i think they throw kemp or taylor give them the stars yeah that's not a bad call at all um, just cause, you know, especially in right field, 
Fenway has such a weird right field. You need someone uh, like Kemp who has the veteran experience of being able to navigate tough outfields uh, where Puig, it's it's a toss up, but he's going to catch the ball on a routine fly ball, let, let alone a ball that's rattling around uh, in the strange right field that is Fenway Park. So yeah. um, the four, those four guys, five guys, um, offensively, statistically too, uh, you know, you're talking about, some of their leaders on the team um, with Ballinger and Puig and Peterson uh, in terms of uh, RBIs and home runs and, and sort of uh, Grandin Machado has come in and because he's in that third, fourth spot in the order, he gets the RBIs currently, but um, you know, someone's got to knock those guys in the outfielder. The outfielder is the ones who are getting on base. Um, Taylor has, or Jack Peterson has scored five times. Uh, Bellinger scored four times, and and Puig three times. So, you know, those guys are really, really doing big things. The thing that I don't like about these three outfielders, Jordy, is their strikeouts. Yeah, that's uh, a very good point. Yeah, they've been strike. All of them have double-digit strikeouts in the postseason. Uh, Dodgers in general, big strikeout team, which is huge. So. Almost um, twice as many as the Red Sox have. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that the Brewers pitchers are great and the That's a good uh, point. Who else do they play? The Braves. Yeah, the Braves have had decent pitching all year, but the Red Sox pitchers outside of I mean, Purcell is a ground ball pitcher. Price has sort of become a ground ball pitcher. He doesn't can't really blow up by people anymore. And and uh Jesus. Well, Evaldi is a strikeout pitcher just because he throws 102 miles an hour. Yeah. And Sale tries to be a strikeout pitcher, or he is a strikeout pitcher all year, but with him being a shadow of himself based on the injury and then now this this like flu or whatever he got, um, you know, who knows what what he's gonna be in terms of strikeouts. So that actually yeah. could be that actually could help them, uh help the Dodgers out, I'm saying. Um, because sure. the Reds the Red Sox pitchers aren't as they don't. Their stuff isn't as nasty, uh, strikeout wise, starting pitchers strikeout wise, as some of the they've been seeing. But um, I think, regardless, yeah, those I three. Think those, this is, yeah, sorry, those three outfielders are are really good, uh, or four or five outfielders you mentioned for the Dodgers are really good. Uh, do you want to make regardless? Your, yeah, do you want to make your point, and then I'll get into the Red Sox outfield. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot you hadn't gotten into them. I just I was gonna say regardless, it's tough no matter how they plug and play their outfield to match the Red Sox outfield just on paper in general and what they've been doing in terms of the postseason. So break them down for us, Greg, because it is, uh, I mean, this is the, this is the main line of, of the Boston Red Sox. And this is the, the express train coming down the tracks into Los Angeles. (laughs) So, MVP, let's start here. Yep. Mookie Betts. Um, like I said, he's sort of been down this postseason. Hasn't had as good a postseason as he as he had a regular season. Um, but he's been on base eight times, and he scored all eight of those times. So when he gets on base, the Red Sox score. That's just a fact. That's just the way it's been. So uh, he needs – or sorry, yeah, well – not every time, but uh, let's see. Eight out of 13 times he's been on base, he scored. That's still a pretty good percentage, would you say? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so <laughs> when he gets on base, he scores, and, and that's huge for this team. And they need 
they go as far as he goes in terms of getting on base. And the same could be said about Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi has a better clip than, than Mookie Betts. He's been on base 11 times, Jordy, and he scored nine runs. Nine times. Yeah, sorry. It's, yeah. So I was quoting Ferris Bueller's day off. Yeah, the two of them are one, two in the order. The two of them are one, two in the batting order. And if those two guys uh, get on base, again, Ben Tendi in the outfield as well. And the third one, Jackie Bradley Jr., who is arguably the worst hitter of the three, turned around and was the American League Championship Series MVP based on the huge home runs he's had and, and at the bottom of the order, as we mentioned at the beginning of this pod. So the three of them, all three of them could be outfielder or gold glovers in the outfield. And then you throw in the J.D. Martinez, who his whole career, he's been a pretty decent outfielder. The only reason why he's not playing outfield is because you have three elite athletes and uh, speed guys in the outfield and Betts, Benintendi, and Bradley. Uh, ahead of Martinez. So the four of them uh, easily for me are better than, than the four or five as the Dodgers have Uh, just because you talk about Bradley who should have a gold glove bets who has a gold glove and Benintendi uh, just gets overshadowed because he's got two other guys who are unreal in the outfield with them. Um, Chris sales said it best. He said Bradley jr. Benintendi and bets have probably, per start saved uh, every pitcher on the team, at least one or two runs per start. So that's saying a lot from a guy like Chris sale and, and a starting pitcher for a team. So, um, I mean, Ben Attendee had two unbelievable catches in the Astro series to help uh, the Red Sox win a couple games with that diving slider. And then the one against the wall uh, in game five. So, you know, Jordy, I'm going with Red Sox outfielders. Um, I made it pretty obvious that I, that I am as well. I think this is the easiest lock of every single position. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I like it. I, I'm a big fan of a uh, big fan of, of that. So it sounds like we got more Red Sox than we do Dodgers heading into the bullpen uh, in terms of comparing positions to position, but it sounds like we got more heading into the bullpen. Um, I'll talk quickly in the Red Sox bullpen, Jordy. And you can sure. you can educate uh, us in the pod uh, about the Dodgers bullpen. Um, so the Red Sox bullpen all year has been their sort of Achilles heel, and this postseason has been the complete opposite of the regular season. And I'll explain it this way: Craig Kimbrell, ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Uh. All season has been arguably the best or one of the best closers uh, in the American League. In this offseason, it's postseason, he's five for five, right? Five saves, five opportunities. But his ERA, Jordy, 7.11. Well, why didn't you say 7.11? Come on. (laughs) Joke was right there. Come Uh, on. Too obvious. Low-hanging fruit. Um, (laughs) But he did get a six-out save against the Astros, and and he has had some big, uh, some big strikeouts here and there. But the big thing that he he hasn't had the command, and and we t- we talked about it a little bit. But when the stat was crazy that got me was when he has three or more days of rest, three or more days of rest. Craig Kimbrell, his ERA normally at like a let's say a one something. Mm-hmm. When he has three or more days of rest, it's like a six. Yeah. I saw. I noticed that. Yeah. So the point is, he needs to. He needs to play. He needs to. 
he needs I mean, it to make sense. Yeah, and and if you're Corey, you're getting him in game one, regardless of the situation, right away. In my opinion, you need to play him because he needs to pitch game one, so that if you need him game two, he's not on that 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 rest. And you look at game five in the Astros series, he had a one two three, or he had a walk, but he had one two three inning in that Astros game five series because he pitched the game before. So he, the proof is in the numbers right there. He didn't let up a run in that ninth in game five. Um, whereas all the other appearances he had, because that was the first time all postseason, that was the first time all postseason he'd ever pitched on less than three days rest. Every appearance in the postseason has been on three or more days of rest. Um, That's pretty insane. Yeah. And a kid that came out of nowhere, Ryan Brazier, who Brazier, who was in been solid, solid. He was in Japan or something last year. He was the triple a closer for the Red Sox for the, basically the entire year until September call-ups. And he comes out of nowhere and is now their number. He's their setup man. He, you know, he's out there. Well, he's their seventh inning guy. And then it goes Matt Barnes, who again regular season wasn't great, but unreal in the postseason. So, um, the, it's sort of been the reverse. Like I said, Kimbrel was always the was always the shutdown guy. It was always oh let's let's just make sure we give Kimbrel a lead. Let's just limp into Kimbrel, and now it's. Oh, we're gonna our bullpen's gonna shut everyone down, and then Kimbrel's gonna be the weak spot. So it's been it's been a reversal of fortune here in the postseason, um, but their bullpen has been sort of a positive light for them, even though everyone said it was gonna be a negative. Jordy, break down the Dodgers bullpen for us. So I, I got look. I got a question about the Red Sox bullpen. Just one guy in there. Mm. What do you or really just a, a little sabermetric? What do you think the odds are that Joe Kelly and Yasiel Puig get into a fight? <laughs> or if there is a fight that the umpires just pull everyone aside and let these two guys go hero mode fight for each fight for the world series <laughs> goes into 12 innings in the game seven who Puig? wins a fight joe kelly or puig puig is an animal dude he's he's like God, his, God, it's, it's just insane his shoulders are bigger than like any like my head he's he's jacked i'm an animal Puig might knock out floyd mayweather that's what i'm saying i mean animal and like he's just a physical specimen in terms of how big he is joe kelly is a skinny little guy and he throws 100 miles an hour because he's like he's a crazy person though yeah he's got all his power from his legs and he's just yeah. you know he, he but anyway uh that'd be electric both of them Kelly throws 101 and out of the bullpen and just throws gas and wears glasses and and Puig licks his bat and and gives a DMX second sign when he hits a home run and, yeah. and in game seven of a of a fucking championship crazy. championship series <laughs> game. So uh, you know it's it's tough. That's a great question. Um, I was a little long there with the, with the Red Sox bullpen, but give me a quick little synopsis of the Dodgers bullpen. So the Dodgers bullpen has been their bread and butter uh, where they're starting pitching where it has faltered at times. Their bullpen has picked it up. Uh, Ryan Madsen, I mentioned he has two of their seven wins. Julio Urias has three, has a third. Pedro Baez is four. So four of their seven wins have been credited to bullpen pitchers. They obviously have Kenley Jansen, their closer, who is on the real six saves and or three saves and six appearances. Uh, the rest of those appearances, though, they were not blown saves. They were just appearances. 0.00 ERA, 10 strikeouts and 6.2 innings. Same thing with Pedro Baez, 0 ERA, 
10 Ks over 6.2 with a win and a hold. Caleb Ferguson, another another guy that holds it down for him. I mentioned Kenta Maeda, who they moved back into the bullpen during the regular season, and it's still been okay. Uh, he's had an, an meh uh, postseason. He does have a hold, has an ERA close to five in it as many appearances. Madsen is their big middle relief guy to really help send it over into some of those guys that get holds for him. Dylan Floro, another guy with a zero ERA and 4.2 innings. Ferguson is three innings pitched. So oh, if the Dodgers can get it over to their bullpen with a lead, it's going to require the Red Sox to grind it out and really claw their way back in. So, I mean, we'll have to see how these late inning heroics of the Red Sox have done and what their offense has been able to do, especially in their ability to get starters out of the game so quickly. We'll have to see if that carries over to this Dodger team because they've been pretty solid once their starters hand over the ball to them. There's been some overusage at time, but you know, they're the guys that are on are on. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's a good analysis and, and Kenley Jensen, I thought coming to the year sort of, or coming into the postseason, uh, the closer there for the Dodgers, I thought he was struggled a little bit and, and he sort of he gave was. up that. That's a crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. He gave up that, uh, home run there on the last day that that forced them to go into that playoff game right if i have memory yep. correctly but um he's been lights out right this this postseason so yeah uh, two for three in a zero era and over yeah. six innings pitch yeah and that's sort of what he did all year so you're right uh the red sox normally hit bullpens really well but i think that dodgers bullpen is is just that much better than, solid yeah that much better than what uh the red sox have seen this postseason really um so I have to wonder too of the fact that they've used guys like Rich Hill, Clayton Kershaw is almost ceremonial, but they've used guys out of the bullpen. So in the later games of this series, does Dave Roberts decide to do that in terms of either preserving a game to not get, you know, too far out, which he doesn't necessarily have to, because he has these different guys or, if he has to turn to a Madison Bumgarner like game seven scenario, if it does get there and we'll get to our picks in a minute, but he has that ability too, especially if Kershaw pitches games one and five, um, you know, he might, he might have the ability there and and we'll see, we'll see how it all goes down. Yeah. I, uh, who are you giving the edge to? I'm going to give the edge to the Dodgers bullpen i do think it can be close especially if kimbrell figures it out uh, and if he plays think about if he plays like four of the first five games it could be it could just be incredible <laughs> uh yeah i i begrudgingly want to give it to the dodgers bullpen just because of track record um but it's hard to go against what the red sox have been able to do all year all postseason i should say um but you're right i think ultimately it has to be uh give to the Dodgers bullpen in the end. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. All right. So Jordy, we've gone through it all. I think we tipped more positions towards the Red Sox. Um, let's start with how many games you think this series is going before we turn in and go with, uh, with who wins? I think six. Any, any number for that? Or that's just a safe number. 
what a, a confidence rating? No, any reason? Any reason for why you think he's going six? Or are you just saying six because that's like uh, you assume that you know each team is going to win uh, at least a game or two at home? Yeah. So I think my thought is that exactly. I think each team probably probably snags a couple at home. I do think the team that I pick for the World Series has a better home field advantage, but has shown, especially in their previous round, the ability to perform on the road. So even if they were to, to even if the, the first round or the first round of the games in one city is split, similarly to their last appearance in the World Series, I think they can uh, really strike while the iron is hot away from the ballpark. Uh, and I really just tipped who I'm picking, but I think I do think that that they'll get it done in six innings. And do you want me just to say it? No. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 Let me do mine. Games. Yeah, you do yours. Um. So with Kershaw going tomorrow, and who knows what Sale's going to do? I, I too was going to say six games, Jordy. Mm-hmm. But. I'm going to switch it to five. Okay. I'm going to switch it to five. Uh, which means that one of these teams is going to have to go on a... One of these teams is going to either have to win three in a row or two in a row twice uh, or something like that in order for them to win in five. So um, spoiler alert. I'm going Red Sox in five, and here's why. I think Kershaw, just because I'm unsure of the health of Sale, I think Kershaw may... I have a feeling that the Dodgers will steal one in Fenway just like the Astros did. Okay. But then I think the Red Sox, who have not lost yet, knock on wood, knock on wood, have not lost yet, Mm -hmm. will, on the road, will sweep in L.A. Okay. Yeah, I, I have the Red Sox in six. I think they split in Fenway. I think – I'm not sure if they lose tomorrow, but I think they split in Fenway. I think they mm. probably take games three and five, and then they come back and win in game six nice. at Fenway. Yeah. Originally, I want, originally, I wanted to say six, but I just – I don't know, man. I, I'm – it's so tough because the more we talk about the Dodgers, the more I'm I'm unconvincing myself about how uh, more I'm convincing myself about how they're a good team and they'll give the Red Sox a run for, here for their money. But yeah, this it's really the Red Sox offense versus the the Dodgers pitching. Um, no, it's absolutely what it is. Because if the Red Sox don't hit, regardless of if the Red Sox don't hit, regardless of what their pitching does. The Red Sox don't score runs; they don't win games, and that's been the case all pl- all playoff. Um, you know, the the two games they lost, they scored two runs versus the Astros, lost seven to two, and they scored two runs versus the Yankees, lost six to two. Every other game, they scored at least four runs, at least four runs. So if they can score four or more, their offense, and they score more than two, maybe even, I think they win, and that's really going to be the matchup what it comes down to because if the Red Sox pitching is good enough to uh, again if the reds the red sox pitching is good enough to allow the other team to score less than 
than what the Red Sox put up, uh, being like they won five. Red Sox won five four, sixteen to one, uh, four three, seven five, eight two, eight six, four one. So it's like Red Sox pitching gives up enough, but not enough to lose unless the offense doesn't. The offense has got to go. That's the point. The off- like they're not winning a game one nothing. The Red Sox. They're not winning a game two nothing. They're winning games seven five, eight six. You know, big big numbers, crooked numbers on the board. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And just to to also get the rest of the team heard, Matt is also picking the Red Sox in six. Which Greg, I got to tell you, I put a little bit of money down. Three to one odds. Mm. The Red Sox pulled off. It is the the lowest number. Um, you extend it out to seven, it gets a little bit higher. Red Sox winning in five. I think it was like plus 500, something like that, five to one. Um, so my three and a half to one, you know, a little little more, but I think that's a pretty solid number. Then if you get over to the Dodgers winning, it becomes um, you know much higher since Vegas has, them, has the Red Sox favorite. But yeah, I think Red Sox in six, or the Red Sox winning, I think is, is safe to say. Greg, I got to ask you this, and actually, I'll wait. Do you have any other thoughts on the World Series before we, uh, before I ask you my my question? Go Sox. Okay. <laughs> so this is a Boston LA championship. The Patriots are looking pretty solid. The Rams are looking pretty solid. The Celtics are looking solid. The LeBrons are now located in Los Angeles. The Bruins are looking solid. The Kings, yeah. But do you think that we could get Bo- how many Boston LA championships, championship series do you think we could get this year? Realistically. In the next four. Mm, no chance. No chance the Lakers beat the Golden yeah, be the State Warriors. Warriors. So but it's, the, it's the LeBrons. Uh, no chance that happens. Um <laughs> I think the Kings have a shot just based on the West is just going to beat up on each other, just like they do every year. They're going to beat up on each other. Um, And so this is hockey now. So the Kings have a shot just because uh, there are a lot of good teams in the West and like Vegas. I mean, the hardest part, I think, for the Kings will be making it there. Um, But the Red Sox are no, or sorry, the Bruins are no guarantee. Yeah, the Bruins no guarantee to make it simply because they. Uh, I mean, you're looking at Toronto and Tampa. Toronto is <laughs> a wagon. The yeah, Tampa's a wagon. Pittsburgh's a wagon. I mean, the Capitals, Stanley Cup champs, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I mean, those are. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this is it. This is the only. All one. right. All right. Um, the thing, I mean, the Rams, Patriots is the most realistic. That's got to be the favorite for Super Bowl right now. Yeah, that's the most realistic. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes down to if the Patriots can get home field over the Chiefs. Yeah, I would agree with that. If the Patriots Which I guess beat, it, that when's that game? Is that in two weeks? The Patriots already beat the Chiefs this year. Oh, you're right. They did. Um, I completely forgot about that. But the Chiefs are 5-1. and one, The Patriots are 4-2. and two. Yeah. I forgot about the uh, the Kermit the Frog at at Gillette this year. <laughs> so uh, that's really that would be the, that, so. 
fuck it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two. Fuck it. I'm gonna say all right. I'm gonna say See, that's what we that's what we uh that's what we hope for here. We want those hot takes. I love it. But but Greg, I think that's gonna do it. Let's um you'll be down here after the World Series. We might have to get a little uh a post World Series podcast or get Emily to finally watch Major League and we talk about that. Mm. But we'll figure that out at another point in time. Greg, I thank you. This has been a fun season and go baseball. Go Sox. Peace.